Okay. Welcome everyone to Faded Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I write romance novels and I read romance novels. Uh, I'm Jen Reads Romance. I am a romance reader and not a big chef, which is going to make me a small <laughs> voice. Food food is not Jen's love language, um, but it is mine. And I think it might be our guests. Uh, we have Adriana Herrera back with us um, for Woo-hoo! an interstitial. Um, Adriana, <laughs> Adriana, welcome again. Welcome back. I'm so glad you decided to join us again. That we didn't scare you away. No, thank you for having me back. It was so much fun last time. Um, Adriana was with us to discuss, oh boy. <laughs> Wicked Deeds on a Winter's Night. Oh, you did that. You did that right off the top of your head. Um, uh, only because Bowen... I had to look it up for some reason earlier today. I was like, what the name is the fuck that? <laughs> Bowen and Mariketa. Yes. So if you are joining us just for interstitials of Faded Mates, which we know some of you are, um, it's worth going back to listen to that episode um, of the IAD, half of the podcast, because Ariana's brilliant and uh we talked uh she just i think she set the standard for how we wanted the podcast to be um and i'm real i feel very blessed that we had her on so early in the in the game so this is an interstitial we uh we brought her back to talk about food romances yeah because she has a food romance and i love food romances yeah so uh the book is american dreamer and it is out uh, now. And I don't know, I'm going to have you talk a little bit about it. Why don't you start us off and tell us about why this book, why food, truck, romance, why everything? Um, the book is about um, a Dominican entrepreneur named Nesto Vasquez. And I decided to make his business a food truck because the premise is also around his childhood friends. So it's Ernesto's Dominican and his three best friends who he grew up with in the Bronx are Cuban, Jamaican, Puerto Rican, and Haitian. So I wanted to kind of build a space that could hold all those identities in a way that made sense. And I also love cooking and I also love my culture. So I thought it would be a nice way to kind of mix it all. And also... I wanted to do more than just tostones. Like, I keep talking about this, but, like, every time you hear about Caribbean food, it's like, oh, tostones. And we love tostones, and plantains are amazing. But I wanted to talk about common roots. And that's one of the things that um, Oonje is the name of the food truck that Ernesto owns. and it's It's, like, a really clever play on words. So, like, maybe spell it and then, like, talk about the capital N-Y in the Right. So, Oonje means nourishment in the Yoruba language, which is the language that is still the language of Santeria, which is a religion that's practiced in the Caribbean, but it was the language of a lot of the West African slaves that were brought to the Caribbean. So it kind of like draws a thread to all of our countries, even if we're not, we weren't even colonized by the same countries, right? So Oonje in the middle is actually with a, with a J, but I put the NY in the middle instead because that's where they all met in New York City. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I really loved about this romance was that like really strong friendship that he shares with his buddies, but also that he is, it's a really interesting kind of like coming home story 
because he's from like he grew up in the Bronx. He's from the Bronx. He's like really hesitant to leave the city behind. But his mother is in Ithaca, and that's going to be like a better place for him to maybe like like make a run at this food right. truck thing. And I was really interested because I feel like it's like a coming home story, but he's also leaving home. And I was like, kind of a neat trick to pull that off in one story. Yeah, I think the idea of I wanted to sort of play with the idea of um, what the place of immigrants is in this country and the Afro-Latinx specifically immigrant experience and that idea that we have to leave like we have to keep going to the places where we can make a life and so in that sense like he had done that before as a child he had done it with his mother and he was doing it again and I think yeah. for and and it's never easy and we never and it's never like I think there's this narrative and and it's just why I started writing this book there's a narrative that's happening around immigration and having to make that passage and it's almost like oh they just come because like they want to be here for like, no, and it means no sacrifice. So I, I wanted to kind of like make that a point that it's never easy for us to have to leave everything and start over. Like one of the things that's really interesting is like the food truck itself is um, like, obviously the kind of food he serves is really like represents him, him and his friends. Um, but it's also like really, it feels like America, right? right? And there's a whole like you know, subplot we don't have to get into with, like, a a really terrible woman. Yes. But I think, like, it it is a lot about her questioning his, like, credentials. Mm-hmm. And yet everyone, so many other people really value that it's this fusion of all these things. Mm-hmm. And I, I could tell that that was so important to you as a writer, to, to him as a character, to his family and friends. So, like, how does food function as a way to, like, bring us all together? I think... For me as an immigrant, I think I that food is a really has always been a pretty effective point of entry for immigrants in this country. Like even when we're not particularly like palatable, our food is like always good. <laughs> so I think that piece of it to me was something that I wanted to put out there that you might not want our stories or kind of like a lot of what we are is not super like legitimate to you, but you always want good food mm-hmm. and like yeah. food from other places. So that was part of it too. I think it's like an easy way to be placed um, in like American life, like a, a point of entry into American life for immigrants has always been the food. I also think that what you do so beautifully in this book is is center food and family in a, um, you know, food is also a connection. It's such a connection to home and it's a connection to home for many, 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 many people. And I mean, I'm, I'm the child of immigrants too. And so there is, I, I feel like there was always it, Italian food was constant in my home mm-hmm. because not just because it was what my father made because, you know, mm-hmm. that was where he came from, but also because it was his touchstone to a place that he couldn't get to all the time, right? Yeah. We weren't able to go home the way yeah. that, you know, you could necessarily. And so I love the whole relationship. I love the relationship to food and family in this book. And I think this is this is a thing that as we talk about other food romances, the sort of heart connection of food is so deeply embedded in all the books, at least all the books that I've kind of thought about. 
Yeah, I think the idea of um, even the preparation and finding that special spice or that special thing that makes it just like home is so important. I remember like growing up, I lived in Dominican Republic, but we had family here and I would come with my grandmother every summer to visit family and we would bring plantains because back then you couldn't find plantains in supermarkets and we would bring like Dominican beer and plantains and my grandmother one year literally brought a pot of Sancocho frozen in the suitcase, sorry US <laughs> customs and borders and it was like, I remember my aunt just like bawling when she like when she pulled it out of the suitcase I was like I don't know 10 or 12 or something like that but it's the idea of like having that strong connection like that touching back to like where you come from Mm -hmm. and and the memory because like you know smells tastes are so much tied to memory and there is that sort of sense of I mean you also you have a you have a very powerful subplot in here that, that has to do with cancer. And um, I lost my father to cancer last year. And I still, to this to this day, you know, it's certain, I mean, it's only been a year, but mm-hmm. every once in a while I'll smell, I'll be cooking something for my daughter mm-hmm. and I'll smell the, you know, the brodo or the, um, I'll, you know, be making pasta and I'll feel, something about it will just yeah. feel, I'll, it's the most it's the most connected I feel to my father in those moments. And yeah. so I, I feel like that's where that's where this book really shines. Yeah, well, so I mean, I that part, I think it's like so visceral, right? You could go through your entire life in modern America, I think, without making things. Mm-hmm. Or cook. Yeah, if you live in a city. Right. We all live in cities. We don't right. have to cook. There's something about, too, like of the scenes in the book where they're making food, especially with each other. Yeah. Right. It's it's so there's like this sense that it really is bringing them together in a way that you don't have to. There's very few other making experiences I feel like we have. And I feel like that's important, too. Well, I also think it's just about it's about love. Right. Yeah. Even when you when you're not a a cook or a chef, you you're putting yourself into it. You're putting your time into it, your money your skill whatever it is and that's all about and then when you're cooking for people it's all about love right it's about putting yourself into into food and and putting your love in the world and i think that's what that's why food romances resonate so well with me and it's why i think this book works so well um because there is so i really feel like american dreamer is a book about you know a dozen different kinds of love yeah, I, I think one of the, and I think I realized it more in the second book, um, but it's also really about the love between these men and their mothers, because I also yeah. wanted to talk about the Latina woman as an immigrant and what she does for her children mm-hmm. and and like the things that like, and you know, the 90s in the Bronx and what that was like. And to raise boys and to raise boys in a place where they were not necessarily hearing that they had a space to thrive. The other thing was queer communities of color as well. I wanted to show black and brown queer people who are thriving. Well, and I think that's like, I mean, this book is really powerful in that way. I mean, I like I'm a mother. We all are. And I feel like I would love to think think that like I still when my son is grown 
could have the kind of like influence on him that Nesto's mother Mm -hmm. does. And that that's something like really powerful. When I was thinking about the books for this week that I, I mean, it's, it's no surprise that I love a food romance, but I was thinking about, um, so there are so many books that echo that sort of felt like great possible read-alikes <laughs> to this book um, because of so many of the things that that you've been talking about and so many of the the things that I, that really resonated with me in this book like I thought about um, JT Gessinger I, I don't know if it's Geisinger or Gessinger's Burn for You which is set in New Orleans and the heroine is a chef whose mother is quite ill and she it's a marriage of convenience story where she sort of she has to marry a, a bourbon billionaire <laughs> as sometimes you do <laughs> like, Fine. she makes a deal to marry a bourbon billionaire to like be able to pay her mother's um medical bills um louisa edwards's can't stand the heat which is part of a whole series of res- her recipe for love series in new york city is very much about um family and found not just found family but also um it's a it's a sister that that first book is about um a food critic and a chef um and the food critic is trying to help her brother um there's a whole sort of secondary plot line there um and then of course i couldn't help but think about all of the kind of family restaurant romances that are out there right now you know alicia rye has written them sulika snyder has written them um and i just uh I I sort of went all over the place, but none of those are the book I picked. Should I should I go with the book I picked? Yes. Sarah's like, I have like ten books I'm gonna talk about. I was like, how? Oh, that's how. Clever. There. That's how I that's how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be like, we'll put them all in show notes. Um I picked Rachel Higginson's The Opposite of You, which is a food truck romance. Um, and so partially it was that it was because we're talking about food trucks. It's also because I live in Brooklyn where we have something uh-huh. called Smorgasburg, which is referenced <laughs> in American Dreamer, um, and where, you know, a bunch of, you know, hipsters go and eat food on Sunday morning. <laughs> um, and I'm always just like obsessed by the, the dreamy men who cook all the food. I mean, there are also dreamy women who cook <laughs> the food there, um, but I'm I love a food truck and this romance I just think is Jen knows that I I just think this is one of the most perfect romances. It's really good. Ever. Have you read it, Adriana? I have not, but I just sort it down. The heroine um owns a food truck. She's been she's a chef and she has she went to um culinary school and she um had dreams of becoming a kind of fi- for you know a, a Michelin star chef. Um and she got into a relationship with somebody who was just terrible. It became an abusive relationship and she had to get out of it. Um and to get out of it, she kind of escaped him and came back to um her hometown which I should have checked. I think it's Cleveland. Um, I think it's in Ohio. Or maybe it's... Okay, I'm from Cleveland, and I, that would have maybe rung it's a bell Missouri. with me. I don't think that's it. See, this Somewhere is else. me. This is a New Englander. I'm like, I don't know. It's in the, the middle. middle. <laughs> Could be St. Louis. Um, anyway, she goes and she starts a food truck. And this food truck is like... She's just making like... She's making like meatball subs and, um, and gyros and, you know, just yummy food off the yummy like sandwich comfort food um and she finds a spot in a parking lot across the street from the michelin the like newest hot michelin star chef's restaurant 
And his staff, when they take breaks in the in the afternoon from their prep, they eat at her food truck. And one day, this grumpy Michelin star chef sends her notes on her food. And he is so grumpy. And he's <laughs> oh, God, such yeah. a jerk. And he's always like, You're undersalting. What's your problem with salt? Like, and it's they had they end up having this whole sort of enemies to lovers kind of experience where, you know, she's like, No more food for anyone who works in your restaurant. <laughs> I'm tired of you eating my food and then criticizing me. This is not about you. And it's just this magnificent slow burn of a romance that has this kind of really beautiful scene that is one of the most romantic scenes I think ever in romance where she and her friend go to eat like get they get restaurant they get reservations at this restaurant and they go to eat it and they eat there and they discover that his menu is inspired by everything that is coming out of the food truck that she's cooking I, I'm, I'm looking at Aviana's face. <laughs> I know. Like, it's it so is really delightful. Magnificently yeah. slow and sexy and romantic. And he also has a beard, which I really like. I love a beard. <laughs> I love a beard. So that is my pick, though I reserve the right to add to more keep talking about other ones as we books, talk because i also yes. have one by zoraida cordova and one by sherry thomas that i want to talk about so but oh i will leave God. it at that for now well the thing about nesto right yes. and also yours and then the one i'm going to talk about is the the it's and we haven't really mentioned this yet is like we talk a lot about like class and romances mm-hmm. there's these billionaires but like these are small business owners yeah Mm. Right? Like, there's a reason this is the American dream. I mean, it's her dream in in the opposite of you. It's Nesto's dream. Right? Like, this idea of, like, the security of owning your own business and making it successful. And the hustle, right? Like, that makes for such a compelling character, I think. Like, someone that's, like, in the grind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and we say that to our son all the time. There's like a couple like family mottos and one is like all that matters is the hustle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? But the hustle is almost too like in some ways what brings Nesto down yep. in terms of his relationship with Jude. Okay, that's kind of a spoiler. Yeah, <laughs> maybe they would have figured that out. I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> kind but, of in the blur. Right? Like you get so used to hustling for your, you know, your job and your work that you, like, how do you pay attention to the things you love? That's what I also loved about his mother, right? Constantly saying, like, your heart, you you have to listen to your heart too, right? Yeah. So let me talk about mine and then we'll let Adriana go last. Um, So I, this is like a little harder for me. I, I, we joke about it. I, I actually don't feel that I'm putting love out into the world when I cook. (laughs) I just feel like I'm, putting my time and effort and then I clean I don't but you did like it when Cade got Holly that lobster sure but it's not like you did like I was like yeah that was cute I don't know I you know it's funny my husband jokes that he would just like eat food in a pill and when we met I was like that's crazy but now I'm like yes god please I would Daryl and I would totally sign up for soil and cream like like Willy Wonka's idea of the pill food like make it happen yeah right so I to to keep that real although I do like baking um, to keep that rule, I picked the book Thirsty by Mia Hopkins, which is not really about food as much as it is about beer making. It's a cheat of a book. <laughs> I, it's a I delicious kind of cheat of cheating. <laughs> but you know what? I'll tell you how it fits in. It fits in with like that, like the idea of like making things 
of the importance of family, mm-hmm. of like finding yourself in a craft. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I am like, I mean, yeah. and that's the thing. So in this book, Sal is our main character. He's a really, he's a pretty young guy. I think he's like 25 or 26. And he spent a couple years in prison um, for a crime he did commit. Um, he was like in a gang and, and he gets out and he really just wants out of that life. And he um, ends up falling in love with um, like kind of what had been the neighborhood good girl, Vanessa, when he went in. But she had like hooked up with a guy and had a child of her own. And she is all about the hustle, too. She's um, going back to school to be an accountant. This is like probably one of my favorite romances. I really think this book is spectacular because it really does show people just striving, Mm -hmm. right? Striving. Mm -hmm. And striving together towards, like, a better life. And I feel like there is nothing more American than that. And what ends up happening is he gets hooked up with this guy um, who shows him essentially how to brew beer. Like, and the thing I really like, I mean, there's so much to like about this story, is he really sees this as a path forward. Again, like, now he talks about at the end, there's going to be a sequel um, about his brother, mm-hmm. I think that what he his dream is to open up a brewery in his neighborhood, because where he is like working now is not in his neighborhood, and he and so like again, it really struck me that you know the whole idea of like this is important to me, but it's also a way I could build something for my community is so important in this book. And I think it's, I just think, you know, I'm I'm really underselling, I think, like his arc, because he is such a magnificent character. It's all first person male point of view. And it's all first person present, which you know, usually I hate. And with this book, I was like, no more, please. And you know what else it reminded me of, of your book, Adriana, is like, um, Adriana's book is really funny. Like the mm-hmm. dialogue is really good. There, you have a real ear for that. And there's like a lot of times I like laughed out loud, especially because Jude is sort of like trying to impress mm-hmm. Nesto's friends. And the one part, I, it's like probably it, it made me laugh is, is he's singing along to a song in Spanish. Oh, yeah. And they're kind of like, oh, you know this song? <laughs> and he, <laughs> there's this great moment where he's like yeah i learned about it and he like pauses and he says on npr <laughs> and then like the whole room just starts cracking up but i think like there's a sense like i don't know the dialogue in your book just felt like really like the way people yeah. talk and i felt like thirsty really mm. felt that way too like it was so um it just felt like so right now right like the language um the I don't know, like the the references to music or pop culture. And I I just really love this book. But I think, too, it's about like just really like how am I going to learn to do something that I can then make a a life out of? And I think that's what like a foodie romance like. I mean, food is life. I know even I (laughs) will admit to that. Right. And so I think that that's like a book that really like fits in with that ethos because it's about all those same things, like finding yourself and finding a community and connecting with people you love. And it just really reminded me, it it feels like a good pairing for your book, Adriana. Yeah, no, it sounds, it sounds like it would be. And I think it's that piece also of like things that are really viable for a person that's really trying to get some like mobility, like when Mm -hmm. you don't have the ability to go to an Ivy League school or get a business degree or whatever. But like if you are able to just like master a craft, then that could give you some like some mobility. 
Well, yeah. and in that, in the case of Thirsty, too, it, it does, it goes back to hustle, too. I mean, he comes out of prison. He and he's working at a gym. He's like a, he's a, it's like a janitor. a janitor at a gym. And the guy who works out at the gym or owns the gym, mm. I can't remember, yeah. but there's some connection. And that's how, and sort of they acknowledge, he acknowledges, like, oh, this, this kid has hustle. And yeah. then, that catapults him and it everything you know i i talk about thirsty all the time because i i think it's a i mean we i joke on the podcast all the time that there's like 400 level romances and like 100 level (laughs) romances and i feel like thirsty sort of edges out of the genre like and and sort of shows where we can push the genre and i feel like american dreamer is doing that too it's pushing it's pushing romance out toward this place where not every hero has to be king Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like heroes have to be noble, but they mm-hmm. don't yeah. have to be kings. Oh, yes. yeah. I love that. That's and I love that because it feels super modern. It feels like somewhere that the genre can like where a door can sort of blow blow open, mm-hmm. and we can see a whole new world of romance coming in now. And I mean, romance has to evolve. That's the whole point of it. It has to continually evolve and iterate on mod on modernity. I mean, yeah. we talk about this all the time during the IAD episodes, but that nobility without, you know, riches right. or entitlement or privilege is sort of a really interesting new yeah, world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I think that, like, I wanted that to be my brand, like <laughs> nobility as opposed to riches. But um, <laughs> it's I, yours. I, <laughs> I, I was talking someone yesterday, I, like the cover for my next book came out and I have a billionaire that I'm ta- I'm starting to call like an anti-alpha. And she yeah. asked me like what I thought that was. And I was like, I think it's someone that can express their attraction without trying to be possessive and controlling. And it's yeah. grappling with finding equitable balance in their relationship. Like that's their struggle. Yeah. And they have like all this money so they can buy you nice stuff, which is great. So oh, by the way, that cover is gorgeous. I know it's really. I nice. love they've it. Done, yeah. They've done a good job. I want to. I want these people to be like any Cuban mom or any Dominican mom can immediately identify these boys as being yeah. from there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think um, so. For the book that I picked, can I talk about my book now? Yeah. Yes, um, it's your turn. <laughs> so okay, so first I want to do like a vignette about the book that I think is like the ultimate like Latino foodie romance that doesn't have like the best ending. But if they would have just <laughs> tweaked that, careful, it could have really careful. been a romance. It could have really been a romance. To Jen. <laughs> No, I was like H E A. No, you're you. As long as you're honest with the people, it it's fine. <laughs> it is. No, I mean I. Yeah, it's not really a romance, but it's a great love story. So it's um, Como Agua para Chocolate or Like Water for Chocolate by Laura Esquivel. And it's like a book that came out in 89, so it's been around for a long time. But it's about like Mexican food. And it's literally a woman whose emotions come through her food. Like she is sad when she's making the wedding cake for her great love who's marrying her sister. And then everybody gets sick from the cake. And like vomits in the wedding, so it's like very like like it's little it's magic realism, but it's like yeah. very much about Mexican food and the depth and the ritual of making authentic food and how meaningful it is. So I wanted to like 
put that out there as like you could read it. There's also a movie that came out in '89 yeah. that's really well done. And then there's other stuff like Idle Wild by Jude Sierra is also like a really great book, and it's a gay romance and it's interracial and it's about the hustle and like opening a restaurant and trying to stay true to the roots of the food. But my actual pick, which I decided <laughs> at the um, last minute when I was like talking to Jen before, is Small Change by Rome Parish. See, this, I'm so happy because oh I was going to do this one and now it's just going to happen <laughs> yeah. anyway. Yay. Yeah, and I, and I kind of struggled with that because I wanted to have more um, other Latina um, authors on here. But I had, like you mentioned a few, and I'm going to say Sabrina Soul series is also really good about a family bakery. Um, but this one, what I love about it, it's that it's also, again, the two small business owners. Yes. So it's this woman who's a tattoo artist, Ginger, and she is, you know, in the hustle. She's kind of like really this, a little bit like isolated from her family. That's not a good relationship. And like her identity is like her independence and her ability to build this business on her terms. So she's got all this staff and like, you know, non-binary characters that were really well done. And she meets this guy who's opening a sandwich shop by her. And he just is so perfect. And she is the opposite of perfect. And it's such a struggle to her for her. And I felt so like I could feel her struggle of saying, like, I am not a perfect person and this man is going to find it and find that out. And then I'm going to have to compromise. And I said I would never do that. So their romance is a lot about her trying to find a way to, like, negotiate her absolutes with also finding that love is worth trying to find a new path and not losing herself in it. So it's, I think it's, again, a very modern romance because it's not the idea of, like, I have to give up everything that I am because now I'll find love and that's more important as opposed to we're both kind of on the same path. Can we build one that kind of, like, lets us both thrive? One of the things I really liked about this is, like, from the very beginning, her boundaries are so strong. Like, one of the first, like, moments in the book is basically, like, they're crazy overworked, Mm -hmm. everybody in the shop. And they sort of throw out, like, well, maybe Paul or whatever can can help out. And she's like, my gaslighting dickhead (laughs) ex-boyfriend? Hell no. Yes. And I loved that moment because I feel like we don't actually get a lot of, like, it's harder for heroines with, like, really strong boundaries, but it's also this really clever moment that the, where the writer, like, you know, the author's showing us, like, here's someone who's gonna have to, like, let her guard down Mm -hmm. because she is so strong, and you know that, like, that is gonna be an impediment, right? But one that has served her so well, but then, like, dismantling yourself for love, right? And I just think it was so, yeah, it's really gripping from the very beginning. Like, that her her as a character. And then his, putting him in the role of nurturer, right? Yes, and he's the soft character in the story. Yeah. And I really appreciated that, like, kind of, like, putting the gender roles on their head. And it's, like, the feminist piece of it is, like, strident. It's not even trying to be, like, oh, restrained yeah. at all, which I also appreciated. 
So it's that piece of kind of finding romances where it's a new world. Like people are thinking about things differently and and values and the the kind of paradigms are just not the same. Because for him, it was a lot about comfort and home. He was very close to his family, but also in like sort of a dysfunctional way. And it yeah. was like her not compromising in any way with her family's dysfunction and like watching him try to maintain the balance in his and her being able to do that with him but still not doing compromising about hers like if this is important for you I'll come with you and be there in your family even though it's kind of unhealthy but for me this is non-negotiable like I'm not fixing that Well, and again, I think that's like a really good echo of your book, right? Like the whole idea about like boundaries and how we interact with our families and how to be like soft. Yeah. Right? Like how, like, because it's the opposite of the hustle is not like laziness, right? Softness is the opposite of the hustle. Yeah. Because the, like to be on the hustle all the time means to just be really like it's all focused and it's all hard and and softness to me is like the opposite of that and i think that that's what like a lot of these books like really play with and then food becomes a metaphor for that like opening yourselves up yeah. sure. right mm-hmm. right like the thing you were talking about at the beginning sarah yeah. yeah yeah i mean what you're you're actually making me think i i had another book on my list because i wanted to sh- i wanted to I was thinking about, well, maybe it shouldn't all be contemporary. And that book is Sherry Thomas's Delicious. Um, and the main character of that book um, is a female chef. It's mm-hmm. Regency. And she's a female chef. And she's come from, she's you know, was famous in Paris. And she's sort of known for these kind of really delicious meals. And the hero is this very sort of buttoned up um, English I forget what he is. He might be an earl or something. I don't know. He's a th- he's a thing. <laughs> um, and she sort of turns up in at his estate and she's very scandalous because her food is so sensual and her her mm. life is so tied up in this business of of food. Mm-hmm. Um and she has a job which is you know, in the Regency for a woman, not yeah. a thing. And um, people find her very intimidating and very t- – and she's sort of terrifying because she threatens the status quo almost on every level. Mm-hmm. And um, they have this interesting interplay where she uh, – 10 years ago, you know, 10 years in the past, they had interacted. She'd cooked for him um, at a party, and he'd never cared about food at all, and he tasted her food, and then he just – like had to have her and they had this one like tumultuous night and then she took off because she was like I have business like I have (laughs) stuff to do and I can't just like hang around here with you (laughs) and of course she has like a dark past and a secret and a whatever and she and you know they come back together again and Sherry writes these we've talked about Sherry before I think on the on the no I think you changed your mind oh I did (laughs) because I wanted to do his private arrangements (laughs) Another time, or his at night. Um, there are so many. There are so many Sherry Thomas books to talk about. But the the point is that this is the this sort of food as access to um, the kind of secret core of you is. It's not. It's it doesn't just exist in contemporaries. It's it's so much a part of us as humans. I think it's it's really yeah. a deeply human like yeah. And you know we had kicked around the idea of it being almost like competence porn too. Sure, right? Well, like, in the case of like Adriana's someone, or 
Yes, <laughs> you know? right? Like I'm good at this and it's like a really important part of who I am. So if we're talking historicals, let me bring up one of my favorite moments in any historical ever. Ooh. Bold, right? bold statement. I know. I'm all like, I'm all, I love everything though. So fine. In Beverly Jenkins Tempest. Ooh. Remember, I, okay, so the, I have you guys read I this? Yes. She is... Okay, listen, she orders a stove. Remember this? Yeah. He has some piece of shit stove and she orders. That's such a Bev thing to write. Yes. And it's delightful. And she orders, it is this like top of the line, fancy ass fucking stove. And her husband, her new husband, right? Because she's a mail order bride is like, you know, what what do you want? And she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to pay for this myself. (laughs) Exactly. And it is like, oh, because it's her saying like, hey, this is what I need and I'm going to provide it for myself and for our yeah. family. And you know what? F right off. Yeah. And yeah. It is a it is such a great moment, well, I think. And it is competence porn because it's also about like proof of skill feels yeah. so yes. important. Right. And it feels really important. This is another moment where um, I think it feels so it feels particularly important when you're the person romance is so much about perception versus reality and the best romances are in my opinion are the ones that sort of tackle that constant question of like what are you versus i mean it's marquetta right to go back to to id it's that sort of who you are perceived to be versus who you actually are and your your destiny and um i think about the other one of the other books that was on my list was zoraida cordova's luck on the line which Mm. is um, the heroine is the daughter of this like Martha Stewart esque character, mm-hmm. and she's opening this like big shot restaurant, I think in Boston. And um, the sort of star chef that she's hired or who she's hired is kind of known as like a like a sexy kind of. He's not. He doesn't really have chef chops, but he's really good looking, mm-hmm. and <laughs> Fine. he's like. But I do have chef's, chef chops. Like, I'm good at my job. And it right, is right. so much verity from uh, Delicious is like this. The food truck uh, owner in in uh, The Opposite of You is like this. These kind of – this skills and, and craft give us an opportunity to see characters' incompetence, but also to see them sort of fight perception – yeah. 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 I think I mean for I think for Nesta one of the things that I wanted to be thoughtful about was kind of like the origin story of where, of where like food or making food and his roots became like his idea of like his American dream, like his mm, pursuit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like the idea that he worked for another immigrant that had that same experience in, in his family and that person, even though he was an Italian, like the person that started him off was an Italian man in little Italy in the Bronx, passed to on to him that piece of you can be proud of who you are and it also can be like the way that you make your living. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I think that's also a piece of it too, the idea of kind of like cultivating that cultivating that and building that craft and mastering something to the point where like it's what you do well pride is so Mm -hmm. much a piece of it and there's nothing sort of sexier than a person who is who is skilled and also really comfortable in their skill Mm -hmm. and and pride is something that it's it's really hard to negotiate as a 
human in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And and the nuance of being able to render something that is, has pride without arrogance. Yes. Right. Yes. Of being able to like hold space and, and being proud and having dignity in what you do without like hubris yeah almost without being horrible yeah without being like a horrible person (laughs) yeah Yeah. well and i think that's why like food is so earthy right i mean it's literally like from the earth Mm -hmm. and i think there's something really grounding about that and i think that's probably why it like works in romance so well it's also like that piece of like making something for your lover and feeding them and that that moment creating that space where you have that intimacy where like i'm going to literally feed you yeah yeah well i mean it's why vampires are so sexy yes <laughs> it's why that <laughs> sex scene in lothair blows your mind well that sex mm. scene in lothair blows your mind oh, for lots of reasons but <laughs> there will always be my fave <laughs> lothair <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Adriana, thank you so much for being with us again. And I hope that everyone enjoys American Dreamer as much as we did. Yay. It's such a great read. It really is. And it's out we are now. really excited to have you here. Yeah. Out you now. can find links to um, Adriana's books and the gorgeous cover for her next book, which is called American Fairy Tale. American Fairy Tale. We'll put everything in show notes. Um, and we will see you next week for more IAD. Bye. Thank you. Don't forget to um, like, subscribe, and uh, and review at at will on your favorite (laughs) podcasting platform. Uh, This is Faded Mates. Bye.